The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, record. And we're live. It it's is Monday, yet. January 24th. 5.03 p.m. And I had to replace an HVAC today. And I'm pissed off about it because I woke up this morning not just a few thousand dollars richer than I am now, but like a bunch of them because large numbers of people had to show up at my house, remove the entire heating system, put in a different heating system, and so I, and then, you know, the house has been cold the last few days because we don't have heat. And so I am lying on the couch, stewing about my troubles. And um, uh, also, I didn't have a guest for tonight. So I, um, I did two things in honor of our two, my two colleagues on the show today. Number one, I sent a grumpy text at Virginia that said, I assume you're joining us on In Lieu of Fun tonight, <laughs> to which she responded, why, yes, I am. Uh, that made me happy. And the second was, in honor of Scott, I, I launched a new feature on my Twitter feed, which is the daily trolley problem. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it daily because it, it actually took some I, doing. I, I loved today's. I, I thought, well, I thought thank today's you. one was... Just I, I actually so simple and elemental, and I I can't I, I I'd be surprised if you were the only one to come up with that because it's but I have never seen it before, and I just thought it was a really strong showing. Well, thank you. Well, I'm I'm gonna be working on these. It 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 it, it is a, a, a handicap in this new endeavor that I can't draw and I'm not funny. But so I figure <laughs> political cartooning is is really like. Like, that's a stretch for me, so I'm going with it. Um, you know, there's the people who, uh, you know, can't, uh, you know, can't write a tune and, uh, uh, and you know, don't have a way with words who become folk singers. So I, I thought if they can do that, then I can do uh, cartooning. Wait, um, you're drawing trolley problems? I mean, you don't need, you need low realism. When it comes to well, but but problems, right? like so, so you don't I uh, want someone to connect onto the wrong thing out of their emotions and have an artistic experience. So you're basically mm. writing numbers when you draw. Oh, I, I agree, but, but you're overestimating, underestimating just how bad my drawing is. Well, what, wait, uh, can, can we go over the problem, or do you guys just blow past the trolley problem? First? Okay, no, no, we can we, we can yeah. go through what what I what I did today. Um, uh, and wait, wait, but you, wait, Virginia, I, are you asking, should we just state what the trolley problem is in general and then talk well, about that? Or, or, or are we just saying, just go, go to Ben's? Yeah, I want to go to the new one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, so I, just for everyone out there, just like, just to be, 
Um, so a trolley is barreling down the track and it's about to hit five people who are tied on the track and you're the switch man, a switch person, okay? And um, at, if you pull the switch, the, car, the train will be divert the trolley, excuse me, will be diverted and will go onto another track where it, where it will kill one person. So are you permitted or are you required, in fact, to pull the switch? Um, no. Can I, can I um, sidebar on the trolley problem very quickly and relevant? Yeah, we always sidebar on trolley problems <laughs> on this show. That's actually one of the yeah. distinguishing features yeah. of the show. Pull yeah. the switch as the switch woman do a little yeah, divergent. I um so we were my son was singing that song Casey Jones you better watch your speed yesterday and I remembered that Casey Jones is a relative of mine or at least so they said who is Casey Jones Casey Jones is also immortalized in the song Casey Jones mounted to his cabin Casey Jones something something and I had been told that he not the Grateful, Grateful Dead one, but the historical figure Casey Jones was a hero of the railroad who had made some incredible, excellent decision while driving a train. But my son wouldn't let it go with that and just say, oh, that's awesome. You're related to someone I was singing a song with. He was like, how can you be a heroic train engineer? You just go fast or slow. Like there's not a lot of whatever. I was like- No, they steer, they have to stay on the tracks. I saw a chance because I always want him to like prefer my family to his father's family. And I saw <laughs> a chance to create a real hero in his mind. And I was like, you know the trolley problem? Casey Jones is actually the original switch man. And in fact, anytime the trolley problem is used, the cop, you know, so we get royalties in the family because he's the one that made the good and, decision. And did he, did he buy that? We went on about that for a long time. And then when I saw that you guys were about trolley, this was yesterday, and I, I'm not like exaggerating it to make it like a good Johnny Carson story. We had <laughs> yesterday. Then I see you guys are all about trolley problems. And so. Well, I, Scott's all about trolley problems because he's a philosopher. I'm, I'm just a lowly about, political cartoonist as of today. You might know about Casey Jones' work. So yes. They, like, not many no. philosophers have their hand on an actual switch. Casey Jones did, and he saved a girl. It's, that's called applied philosophy. <laughs> I think that's also called having a job. Um, but, 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 but first of all, I just want to say that this is a, like a brilliant connection, and I'm so glad that not only that you brought it up here, but you brought it up with your son. It's, it's, it's an incredibly interesting thing about, because Casey Jones, to me, only is a figure from that Grateful Dead song, yeah. I mean, I didn't know that it like that. Much less that he had relatives, right? Or, <laughs> you know, like, or that he was a deontological theorist. Um, that's right. Know, yes, always. I can put down because none of my relatives do are like his dad's relatives are like rich and successful. But so I found one. But then he was just going to be a lowly just, engineer writing an then, Oscar. Then no. just you, you have DM, you have DMs showing so oh yeah my DMs are showing. Okay. Anyway, you were saying Virginia. Yeah, oh, it's just so Casey was a switchman, not a locomotive engineer. Someone asks, actually, I fear that he is just an engineer, but I wanted to hype him up. And if you put in Casey Jones and read the Wikipedia entry, it is. I don't know if they were just short. It was like a slow news 
decade. <laughs> he's like a pop star. He's a he's an engineer. He's the future of the country. He's debated. He's anyway. Okay, but is the fact that he is his lineal descendant, Virginia Heffernan? Yeah. Uh, is that in the uh, Wikipedia article? That is a very good point. I'm going to have to make that work. There might be some uh, okay. me switch. Assignment the for the Greek chorus. Edit the Casey Jones Wikipedia page so that it connects to the Virginia Heffernan Wikipedia page with a genealogy. Because so that... Dignify that, the whole thing with the words trolley problem. And that's right. <laughs> that is the challenge... Who is up to it? All right, now that you've all had a good look at my DMs, uh, here is uh, today's uh, daily trolley problem. See, here we have Casey Jones, which is in the conventional trolley problem, how we imagine it. The trolley is, see, notice that this part with the trolley and everything and the switchman, that's like from somebody else. The only parts that I drew are the, uh, uh, parts of people tied to the thing, and um, that's there's no artistry there. You can't even tell which of their arms and legs because everything I draw looks like it was drawn by a kindergartner. Yeah. Uh, so that's the way we conventionally imagine the uh, trolley problem. But here in the second frame, we have real life where you are not the switchman, you are just <laughs> some guy helplessly on the trolley, um, uh, you know, with no agency at all in no, what happens. A... You're just looking out like an Edvard Munch painting. You actually sketch, you can't even see what's going on on the track. You just know in this horrified right. way right. that it's bad. Right, in the trolley problem, you're the switchman person. Right. In in real life, trolley problem, you're the passenger. You're just along <laughs> for the ride. Think about it. That's the invasion of Iraq. Right. You're not Dick Cheney who like gets to decide, OK, is there weapons of mass destruction or, or you know, do, do we have to treat Saddam Hussein like an existential threat? That's the fucking switch, man. We were all just on the goddamn trolley. <laughs> Colin Powell, you know what? He makes a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, wait, but I, okay. <laughs> All right, on the trolley, though, here is a problem that underlies a lot of philosophical problems, Scott, I address to you. The person being asked to make a moral decision already has a profusion of agency that no one has in real life. So the guy that's asked, like, where did my wife go so I can rape her or whatever that thing is? What is it? It's not really that. So this axe murderer <laughs> wants to go whatever way. Like, you never get asked by an axe murderer which way to That's the right. Out. Then they don't wear shirts that label themselves. <laughs> so, right. And so once you're asked to solve a philosophical problem, you are assumed to have all this power to solve it that you would never have. So maybe the problems uh, assume too much about the subject, like way too much about the subject. All of which is 
a really philosophically complicated way of saying that we are not allowed to have fun anymore. We're actually a quarter of the way through the show before we finish the intro. But that is because we are allowed to have Virginia Heffernan, one of the early guests on the show. She has come back over and over because we love her dearly. Uh, if you have not yet listened to her interview with Jamie Raskin, uh, it is uh, an amazing uh, example of the art of the interview, um, and uh, you should do so. Virginia, welcome back. Thank you, Ben. I, I really like being on this. It's just such a nice way to spend a spend uh, cocktail hour. Well, we I are... Yeah, so now I have a little fun. I don't have cocktails <laughs> or fun. We don't have, we don't have but we're going to have fun again soon. Yeah. yeah, I think so. We're we're the Omicron wave has crashed over us. We're all dead, but the wave is now receding, carrying our lifeless bodies with it, and we are now allowed going to be allowed to have fun anymore. Just I like six I, more I, weeks. Like, it might it might be interesting. I, 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 I know we went Salon or Omega or Row. I, I I just I I just think of Omicron. My metaphor is as as like this trolley. That's like, <laughs> and, you know, just somebody from, did pull the switch and I feel like we're like right about to go. So from now on, people, when you have good trolley metaphors, you have to send them to me because I got to produce. I, I mean, I don't know why I did daily trolley problem I, as the, the hashtag rather I, than like semi-annual trolley problem. I. I swear, so I, I would I would love to continue talking about the trolley problem because in fact I have a serious thing to talk about in terms of the trolley problem, but I but I do really want to ask Virginia if she could repeat the story as to why page eighty eight. Oh, why page eighty eight? Um, well, that is Virginia's uh, inexplicable oh, uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. Okay. One thing that a friend of mine whose name is also like a like has also like a like a kind of doofy kid name for his Twitter handle says is that you know when you if you were on it really early when it was a strip club, you were not using your name. You were not like oh time to promote the work of Professor Scott Shapiro, but, you know, and I'll put my real things in there. It was like your eBay. It was like on eBay. It's the same name I have on eBay because like you when you first got on eBay or Craigslist or something, you weren't like this is going to be a professional feather in my cap. You were like I hope they don't catch me. Right? I say, I say, I say, so. so why page eighty eight as opposed to uh, loose leaf notebook eighty six? I mean, also, I wish it was just like, because on the Bible, when you flip it open <clears throat> numerologically to 88, you'll find that something about me is there. No, it's just my middle name and my birthday, August. Page. Um, it has caused me some problems. Um, oh, I'm Pet Noodle. I love Pet Noodle. That's a definitely an early Twitter adopter. <laughs> um, yes. Okay, good. Thank you, Dr. Doom. 88 is code for thank you very much. Kyle Hitler, HH is the alphabet. So that was not something I expected to run into on Twitter. This <laughs> <laughs> freaking strip club, you can't change your name. Right. You that, which is a problem, by the way. I think 
in most strip clubs, you are actually allowed to change your sobriquet, but masquerade place. You should. Be I don't have much experience, but that's that's been my. Every strip club I have ever worked in, <laughs> you are allowed to change your name. Right now, page eighty-eight. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like you know, don't you know people who still have like their very old hotmail account and their name is like like malcolm gladwell's is my jamaican guy on one of them <laughs> I, well, <laughs> I think, uh, you know he had someone set it up for him but isn't what is that um I, it's not page 88 but like it's something like that challenge where you stick your finger at the certain page and then you Describe what's on that page, or, uh, or take a quote from the you mean, page. How do you make every decision in your life, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> has not been doing his tarot or his astrology correctly, right? You're supposed to like Bible. You flip to get advice, and if you point to something about begat, 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 linen, flax, wool, don't mix them, blah, and then shot, yeah, the shot nays part, right? Yeah. Uh, wait, what is it again? Shot nays. Sh shot nays, yeah. That's the don't yeah. mix flax and wool. Yeah, if flax and linen, I think it's. Um, I um, think uh, bad stuff. Bad stuff happens. Or, or linen and flax. Linen are the same thing. Yeah, then it's flax and wool, linen and wool, right? Okay. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, my yeah. favorite. That's one of my favorite of all of them. My favorite yeah. Jewish holiday is Tisha B'Av. But I'm open to other ones. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Tisha for those who are not Jewish or former Jews here, like is a holiday for of memorializing all the terrible things that have ever happened no, to the Jewish a, people. It's the it's like the Holocaust Remembrance Day of the Jewish people. I mean, well, it's from like, before the Holocaust. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's <laughs> like the day of disaster. So yeah. that's really that's, that's a, where good. you where you fast. But I also like, right, and you lie down and you are unhappy and you are supposed to listen only to, you can do, use your phone. That's why it's a great one. Oh, that's you, right. Yeah, you can use your phone. That's right. I don't, I don't yeah. mind the fasting if you can just stare at your phone all day. I mean, what else do you want to do? But right. you have to listen to that that I, something on Zion song that's pretty sorry. Yeah. Think of as from oh, I, I, yeah, Babylon, Zion. Babylon, yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, and oh, and the... the and also, I like Verdi's version of it better, though. Um, Lamentations is a Lamentations is a also a very beautiful song. Echa Yashvadad. It's a very it's a, a very mournful um, a tune. It's a, so that's actually very nice. But it, it, for people, I, I, I you know, for the young people out in the audience, <laughs> you know, when you used to fast, okay. That meant you not only didn't eat or drink, but you didn't have a phone. There was only <laughs> network television during the day. And it was like soap operas or like you got on UHF, you Look, got like Spanish in wrestling. In the Middle Ages, in the Middle Ages, yeah. they only had one network television channel. <laughs> and, you know, in the Pale of Settlement, where the Russians are about to invade again, yeah. you know, it it's um it was bad. The, the TV was not good. So, you know, this is why large numbers of people... Uh, converted to Christianity to avoid the uh, the the necessity of fasting without. That's all it is. That is the allure of Christianity. And plus, your flax and your wool. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can weave them together. Yeah. Um, but it was actually to be shot is what we really just missed. 
Uh, oh, yes. oh, yeah. So two bishvat. So can, can I actually? Uh, so, do, you, do you want to hear my saying that song? Please go ahead, and I will join you. It was just two bishvat higiyah chagai ilan. No, that's all I know. There we go. Two bishvat higiyah chagai ilan. That the thing about two bishvat. So for people who don't know now, by the way, what you're doing is you're triggering a lot of trauma right now <laughs> <laughs> and trauma is going to come out of me right now so i just warn you that in the next two minutes like unpleasantness will come so but the thing is for everyone two bishvat is two fifteen in the month of shvat which tends to be like march right and it's like we're in the middle east that would be like the beginning of spring in the united states there's still kind of like crummy winter weather okay so yes, like the holiday it, of the trees is how it's right. frequently described but in the east coast mid-atlantic region that's going to be like yeah. the trees are completely bare there's no reason to have a holiday for the trees right, right. in freaking so, january and february and so what they did was every year so of course like we saw it sang all the songs since i went to your school you know we did the whole thing but then they gave us these snacks that are israeli snacks which are like absolutely inedible and every year i wanted to like it so have you Beasley? ever yeah no no it wasn't this is good but have you ever had a carabine Oh, have yeah. You, have you yeah. ever had car carabines are almost like chocolate? It's right, except they don't taste good. <laughs> Wait, because so, it's milk it or something? Or it, it, it's, 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 that's parv. It's, oh, it's so it's, right. But it grows on trees in, in, oh, in the woods. Also, isn't it the parv chocolate? Yes, it's right. Yeah. It's the parv chocolate. It's also like the kind of only kind of Israeli chocolate, but the thing, it, like, uh, 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 that's indigenous. And so they would give it to you every year as a treat, and you were supposed to, like, really <laughs> love it. But it doesn't actually, it tastes like what chocolate would taste like if it were tree bark. Um, <laughs> and I hated Tubishvat because Tubishvat was the, was the day that they pull, the, where, they, where they trick you, where yeah. they tease you. So yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that trauma, that Here's unpleasantness. My thing that we, we talked about Tishabov and all the suffering that has befallen the Jewish people, and then it quickly goes to we had to have carabin, not chocolate. And then are you get you're pretty close to doing that? You didn't have the real Oreos for a long time, right? <laughs> I, uh, I never had the real. I never had the real Oreos so, till I was in my twenties. Yeah, by yeah. the way, halal marshmallows here. In case Virginia, just in case you have not seen, if you want to understand the depths of Scott's uh, Jew trauma, <laughs> just watch his "Where's the Lie," yeah, uh, which is oh. about uh, motorcycling through Berkeley uh, for brisket yeah. uh, before Shabbos and uh, getting stopped by the cops yeah. at extreme speeds because he needs to get to brisket. <laughs> get yeah. Um, yeah. So, you, you know, you, you got to just check that out. So, um, wow, so we have one of you whose favorite Jewish holiday is Tisha B'Av <laughs> and another one whose least favorite Jewish holiday is, uh, is, is Tu B'Shvat. I just want to put on the record that my favorite Jewish holiday is Shmini Atzeret because yeah, uh, because it has no 
It doesn't observe anything known. It's no one's really sure what it's doing there on the calendar. It's just there <laughs> to make sure Jewish children miss another day of school. Well, um, the whole reason I got into Tubishvat is that it and Simchat Torah also, but is that it's about missing school. My kids are in Hebrew day school and every time they got a day off that i didn't know what it was i felt like i would say to someone why are they have this day off and it was <laughs> always tishabab so then i was like tishabab is just the sign under which don't go to school and that's just what it means but yeah other ones i don't think so, that so, they, yeah so for other people it's a dating thing so, um, so Simchas Torah is like a big dating. It's a dance holiday. It's a big uh, yeah, dance party. It's, it's, it's a big, it's a big <laughs> dance party. It's really, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like there, like I, I realize that um, um, that you can, that there's so many different ways to hate the Jewish holidays. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh but you right know? parents, when your kids have to stay home. No, that's right. So, yeah, it's. I, I mean, honestly. The word holiday to Jewish families means something different than it does to non-Jewish <laughs> families. And I know he's canceled and we're not supposed to like him anymore. But the person who completely captured this is Woody Allen oh, yeah, in yeah. Annie Hall, where he has a dialogue, an imagined dialogue between his family and the Goyesha girlfriend, uh, Diane Keaton's family. and. The uh, and Diane Keaton's mother says to Woody Allen's mother, what are you going to do for the holidays? Um, and she responds, we're going to fast. And, you know, <laughs> and, um, and um, you know, it's just it captures this um, like ho Jewish holidays are freaking work. <laughs> it's terrible. May I say something on behalf of those of us? meaning only me, who've converted many times to many different religions. Yeah, you've gone like back and forth, you know, yeah, pick a side, girl. Pick the side, met <laughs> various clergy people, changed my identity entirely. Page 88 all the way through, but the religion changes. Um, I will say that Christmas, while it has a reputation for being a happy day, has for at least three or four decades, the church, in the church, there, I have never heard a Christmas night sermon that is not about how there's pressure to be happy on this day, but we all have to acknowledge that it just brings us deep depression. And so, yes. And so this weird thing where like- not See, It's the opposite of Rosh Hashanah, it's where, where every Rosh Hashanah drash is, you know, you only come here on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We never see you the rest of the year. What's the matter with you? You you, you think you're good enough Jews because you show up twice a year. We, there's a lot of mental health. Okay, I'm so glad someone agreed with me because the sermon, right, it, the, the, the Christmas holiday is now about pretending to be happy, but really being depressed. That is the whole idea of it. And so when the sermon always turns from it starts with we know you're supposed to be happy but just this year let's acknowledge that and i was like i think i first acknowledged that i was sad but was supposed to be happy when i was nine and i've done it every year since and that's what christmas just is wow like i think it's time to call off the idea that we're pretending to be happy we're always confronting our misery but, in light of the fact that we're pretending to be happy but isn't 
uh, this is actually since you've turned the the conversation serious on that uh yeah. isn't that baked into the structure of christmas that it's like the darkest time of the year so we light it up and it's kind of a um you know in the in the you know depths of the 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 sort of tectonic layer of the way we celebrate it uh, yeah. Not that I do. There's an assumption that you're likely to be miserable at this time of year. And so we have to cheer you up. I think we overshot the mark because lighting one candle against the darkness is a beautiful idea where you could be like, things are all pretty dark, but it's kind of, we're going to kind of get through this. And I had one sort of happy encounter with my brother done, but we set the houses ablaze and pretend it's not happening. And then also producing Santa for like children and people around you, especially your children who are in Hebrew day school, <laughs> and then having them be disappointed by the gifts. And also Christmas is always, always already ruined. So there's this other set piece many Jews don't know about, which is that you're always on the brink of ruining Christmas or having it ruined for you. So like- Why is that? Through many long seders and nobody, nothing's ever like fragile, 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 ruined. But that's, that is so, that is such a brilliant observation. That is such a brilliant observation. Like there, it, there, there is that sense of like the kind of Christmas needs to be a magical time and yes. it needs to be a magical experience. Whereas like Jewish holidays are, are, are much more kind of a sense of, um, um, you know, there's a degree of chaos and there's a degree of conflict and um, it's it's not sanitized, I guess. Yeah, it's yeah. Instead of oyster stew that you drink a certain way, and 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 also yeah, and also like the way therapists deal with there's just so many things you have to do to like keep yourself cloaked from your family, from toxic parents, from just the the therapy setup before Christmas really would make you think you're you know going to your execution. Um, so I feel like it must be possible without either, I don't know, maybe it needs to be more like just a long, boring fasting tishabah, and then we can get Christmas. The wow. Christmas spirit could be right back if we started to just make it a less, le, very low expectation. So what are your, both we of can't you, have, what are we, in Christmas, we can't, we have, can't fun have fun anymore. anymore. Yes. Yes. So what are your actual favorite holidays? Oh. Like one of the holidays, I only have one that yeah, I have. Let's hear, let's hear yours. I freaking love the Fourth of July. Oh. I have no reservations about the Fourth of July because I love blowing things up. Oh. Wow. Um, and you know, it's got it's got the whole baby cannon vibe. I like loud booming noises. I like fireworks. I love I love and I'm I'm a patriotic guy. And it requires, 4th of July requires nothing of me. And by the way, I live in the best city in the world for it. I, I, yeah, I really disagree. I, 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 it, it was the illegal insurrection. Yeah. It, it was, it was, I mean, it was January, a successful January 6th. No. Why? I mean, because it, we the victors want the victors get to write the history, okay, and, okay, so, okay. and yeah. you know, a, Declaration oh, of Independence and all that jazz, and yeah. so we get to declare us. No, don't. 
bring in the, the, the truth of the mythology into it. Come on. Okay, okay. Never mind. I like Thanksgiving, too, because it's got, like, all the food and none of the ritual. Yeah, Which, true. you know, oh, as, yeah. a, as somebody who grew up Jewish and like you have to do all the cooking and then you have to like jump through these hoops and do all this like stuff. And Thanksgiving is like just the good parts of Seder. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, like, I, it I like it yeah. too. There's no, the, the gifts, man, will fill you with Christmas. It's it's like, it's just insane. And there's no way around it. No way. All right, so what are your Isle's favorite holidays? I've given you my two. I like Virginia. my daughter's birthday. She loves her birthday, and she's really great on everyone else's birthday, and she makes it really clear what she wants, and she almost always wants to do some kind of ATV, you know, off-road thing, which I love. That's awesome. So we did that, and she likes... Um, well, we've talked about... she. She's the one who, like me, likes um you know kind of like coney islandish stuff and like rides and amusement parks and stuff so we do that and she's just like she is she's in her self in her birthday like she's just fully integrated birthday girl on that day it's like it makes sense that it's her birthday she's happy to be getting older she's like present to every minute of the fun of this the day i was born that is awesome yeah how about you scott Oh, I have something to say uh, about birthdays, and it has to do with Gramsci, but after you. <laughs> well, that's, that's turning heavy. Um, uh, so I'm not a holiday person. Um, okay. I, I'm, I don't, I don't, but I, when I was a religious Jew years ago, I, my favorite was something called Shavuot, which comes oh, yeah. seven weeks after the end of Passover. And, and when, of which Tom Lehrer wrote the great line, I spent Shavuos in East St. Louis, a charming <laughs> spot, but truly not the spot for me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that he, that Shavuos and Shavuot is a very interesting class distinction we just heard of the S and the T there. Yeah. This spot being very fancy and yeshiva-ish with his T's. Right, no, no. So that's the thing. It's, there's a whole politics about whether you use oh, the T and the S. And I thought it would be a bit show-offy if I used the S. So I did. It, it doesn't rhyme with St. Louis if right. you use the, yeah, right. unless but, you call it St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> but but with the, the reason why I liked it the best is because you got to, God, God, I'm such a loser. Uh, you got to stay up all night learning. Like that was the thing. You spent oh, yeah. the entire night learning and then you went to sleep at like seven in the morning after I was spending the whole night learning. And that like that was so much fun. Um, so I like that. It was like a big sleepover party. Yeah, it was like uh, a sleepover seminar. And we, right. we because we don't get you don't do those at the Yale Law School. Right, because of the pandemic. We haven't done a sleepover seminar. Right. I haven't done that with my students for a while. All right, so, so here's the next question. This is the David Plotz question. He likes to ask this question. If you got to create a new holiday and put it on the calendar, what would it be? Oh. Like, right, you have to go through, like, what things do you think are worthy of remarking that aren't otherwise remarked on? Or what kind of... 
things. Would it be I to honor do? somebody? <laughs> Would it be like, you know, I'll make election day a holiday so that yeah. everybody can vote. Would it, like, oh, yeah. it, there's a lot of like, you know, would it be something absurdist? Well, um, you have election day and everything beyond making election day a national holiday where we all get the day off is now immoral. So <laughs> one choice in this trolley problem. Can you right. obviously great thing to help save democracy or can you celebrate some, you know, obscure rock star that only you like? I think I'm going to go for the first. Okay, so, so let's... Can we all agree that if, like, making Election Day a holiday is actually not about holidays, it's really uh, just about the right to vote, so it doesn't count? Yeah, yeah I, I would just go further. So so my colleague, Bruce Ackerman, has this idea of uh, Deliberation Day, whereas, like, it's before the election oh. where you actually um, meet, like, it's finance so that you, you know, there are different facilitators of different debates all around the country, and you get the day off to go and talk and de debate issues. That, that seems to me like a really um, interesting, intriguing idea. But don't you think that the people who most need it wouldn't attend? Well, you know, it's, like, it's so much about politics is about modeling behavior. You know, it's about it would be modeling a, a way of thinking about um, uh, elections and politics, that is, it's something that you can talk about, you can reason about. Um, uh, and so that would be healthy just in terms right. of the culture. Just even introducing the idea of what is it deliberation and deliberative and that we get to do it, right? That it's yeah. not like that's the other, it's not just that you, somebody or another person forces your hand on the ballot. It's yeah. that you get to have this women of time. But it is interesting to think of the people who most need that because we would think of ourselves as not needing that because we deliberate all the time. And yeah. so would, you know, a Fox News viewer. Uh, so it would be for people who see themselves as wanting a concentrated period of time to think it through. Um, I also like the, the regional holidays. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, Boston has, Patri Massachusetts has Patriots Day, which the rest of the country doesn't celebrate. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I always, I've always loved Juneteenth, um, oh. even before, I, that's kind of gone national at this point. Um but, you know, that was celebrated on different days in different parts of the South, depending on when. I mean, I guess the official one is when Union troops reached Galveston. But um, but there were other ones that were local to particular communities. Uh, and I think that stuff is I, I'm a total sucker for, you know, very particular kind of local observations of um, uh, of of holidays um you know which yeah, like they holidays. they don't tend to last that long but well, did, you did, get did, them for a while does new york do, let's i mean let's think does new york have something like that um like a new york i, mean, like I guess st pat st patty's well but st patty's day is an you obvious have the feast of de Janeiro, of san Gennaro. you have like, oh yeah that right san Gennaro, right the feast of san Gennaro. i mean the, it's not it's that, old that, New York, but it's in you know, but it's yeah, it's a, it's the special way. It's right. It's the week for people who don't know. It's the week where um, where uh, New York 
Italian-Americans get together to make sure you can't walk through a part of Lower Manhattan. <laughs> right, where the Irish do that on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> right, yeah. So. It's, it's just like this, it's very uh, egalitarian blocking traffic thing. Um, well, we should go to, speaking of blocking traffic, we should go to audience questions. Uh, uh, so I'm bringing up the first three members of the audience in terms of vote totals, upvote totals. Richard, Richard, you, uh, despite your love of a certain he who shall not be named, you get the first question today. Well, first, I, I have a bone to pick with, with Virginia about the, about the Goldberg variations. Um, about the Gould recordings. What? Wait a second. I, wait. Oh, so what, what, what did Virginia say that you are objecting to? Yeah. So for oh, those of you who don't know, Glenn Gould made two recordings of the Goldberg Variations. The first recording as a very young Canadian pianist and his last recording during which, uh, uh, which is highly eccentric, during which he sang through a lot of it. Um, it's... Um, they are both wonderful. Uh, they are both uh, very different from any other recordings of the Goldberg Variations, and they are very different from each other. Uh, so what did Virginia exist, say about them that you object to? They exist oh. entirely so that people can pontificate about them. It was just yes. the greatest gift to his his slavish adorers was giving us a lifetime, you know, lifetime worth of material to debate around the uh, 54 and 83 recordings. All Actually, right, I, 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 I love them. I love them both. So, but uh, but the fifty-five, that's like that's like the frame. That's the way that we think of the Goldberg variations, yeah. and we can't we can't hear the Goldberg variations without the fifty-five in the back of our heads. So, um, so if I were um, if we were to throw out all of them, kind of have to throw out the eighty-one because the fifty-five is just. We can't think about the Goldberg variations without it. Right. That's like it'd be like throwing out the Goldberg variations. Yeah. Themselves. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but like writing and writing over, composing over, recording over, very Gouldian. I think having yeah. like different versions of it and having them have incongruities. Um, but wait, did you hear me talk about the Goldberg variations on This Is Critical? Or I wrote yeah, something yeah. about it too. Yeah. Oh, oh, thanks for tuning in. Oh, um, sure. Yeah, that's, um, I actually have now been in touch with the um, Glenn Gould Foundation because they want me to do something for his, and this gets mm. to the Gramsci thing, his 90th birthday, 90th, is that right? He would have been 90? Yes, is I think this year. So, um, and it was my son, the same person I was talking about the trolley problem with, who got to be interested in Gould. So now my son and I are doing a little bit of a dialogue about Gould for this site because the Glenn Gould Foundation has started this thing called Instrumentals. I don't know if anyone has teenage kids, but it, it is to me exactly what a mental health program for kids should be, which it, during the pandemic, just to introduce them to mostly classical music and frankly, mostly Bach and Gould as a way to deepen their appreciation of music and let the mental health benefits follow. Don't start with therapy start with an appreciation of the actual world and the things before us. And, and Gramsci was, fits into this how? Well, Gramsci does because we were talking. Because right. he wrote Prison Diaries? Um, no, <laughs> I was thinking about Glenn Gold's 90th birthday, right? And I was like, birthdays. Uh, Gramsci's like, older. Birthdays are 
weird. Like, what do we, who cares? Like, what kind of pagan heathens are we that were like, and then the day that I was born and made it. Roman calendar is important that August 8th, I was born on the next August 8th. I never had to say happy birthday, your holy birthday. And then I looked and saw that it was Gramsci's birthday, like someone in the New York Times or whatever. And I thought, well, gold would be into the fun of celebrating or thinking about birthdays. But Gramsci, should not make it known when his birthday is because what like that is some serious like that is not good for the cause we shouldn't even have birthdays we're, we're all born at the same time and progress we don't have special See, and yet when, without birthdays we wouldn't have the uh the opening uh 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 line of theodora where, uh, which is, tis Diocletian's natal day, proclaim throughout of Antioch a feast and solemn sacrifice to Jove. And I will preserve the whole of birthdays just to retain that line written by one William Congreve, by the way, for Handel. Oh, very wait so wait he did the book he wrote yeah the book. he wrote the libretto i think for for theodora i think oh um somebody's got to check me on that but i don't know um uh but richard thank you for saying that and and look at, at it's like gg at 90 like for the glenn gold foundation they're doing so many cool things and having so much cool programming and because it's canada they just, you know, petition the government and they say, like, Glenn Gould's 90th birthday. How about a hundred million dollars? <laughs> and the Canadian government's oh. like, like right. Hearts. Stop the presses. Our whole nation is about Glenn Gould. Um, and so while we're here trying people to keep people from overturning democracy, they are celebrating Glenn Gould. Um, and also, just think what they're going to do on the hundred gloves at my insistence they're selling the swag of fingerless gloves right oh, wow. who doesn't want to dress like gold all the time yeah and <laughs> and, and the overcoat and oh my god and just the pill problem the, the i mean we all and you have to, you have to wear it in august yes <laughs> and also when you play the piano you have to sing yes. in fashions that appear unrelated to what you're playing yeah, which sure. is what makes the uh the second recording seems yes. as quite so spooky and also you, his you also need, chair, need to... his childhood chair has to create yeah. his fetish chair yeah oh. you gotta have the squeaky chair all right charles the floor is yours so I guess, do you have any, uh, do you see any like reasons for optimism vis-a-vis -vis the midterms? I guess, uh, I guess kind of piggybacking off of what was, was going to be Richard's question, but, um, yeah. And, uh, Ben, I'd like to extend my condolences about, uh, uh, Chris Argerus. Um, yeah. uh, uh, no more to me than to anybody else in the, uh, in the, uh, Greek chorus or among the, I mean, I literally knew Chris only from this show, which is to yep. say no better or worse than any of, of you guys did. Um, uh, uh, so back at you. Virginia, what do you think? Hope for the midterms? Hope for the midterms. I why What I don't understand about the midterms is why did everyone just call it all over? Like, why is it, why are we, what are we supposed to do? I feel like we. someone just told me we lost, like just the, the, 
the bad guys won and there's nothing we can do about it. But I honestly, this is critical, by the way, the new podcast is about culture. So that's why I'm talking about Glenn Gould more than, uh, more than the former president or the midterms. Do you guys fear that? I don't know. I feel like that one's just gone. I sort of write off the midterms and write off Roe. Those are the two things that I just try to live in the future and be like, I actually don't write off the midterms because I write off Roe. I actually think the, I mean, I don't say that with any glee, but I think after the oral argument, nobody should assume that Roe is going to exist after June 30th. And I do think we have three things. Look, if you held the midterms today, it would be a wipeout. But there are three things that are likely to be different. Um, uh, one is uh, we shouldn't assume that everybody's going to be stuck at home 10 months from now. Um, you know, the Omicron wave has crashed over us and is carrying our lifeless bodies out to sea, but they are allowed to have fun once they get out to sea. Uh, and so the second thing is that that will have economic implications. And I so I don't know that the economy will not be or appear to be in a substantially different place 10 months from now than it is now. And the third is that um, for their virtues or vices, uh, six justices of the Supreme Court, either for philosophical consistency, for uh, radicalism or for uh, 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 hatred of women, depending on one's perspective on conservative jurisprudence, are actually going to overturn Roe v. Wade. And that will have some impact on millions of previously not single issue voters uh, who, um, and I count myself among them, by the way, I've, I've always not you know, never been a single issue abortion voter. But if I lived in a state where abortion were meaningfully dependent on my vote, absolutely would that would affect, you know, how I voted. And so I've um, say that in Kentucky that you, you mean once that like once that huge thing is off the table, that people's minds will clear up to consider have other considerations, at least that they take to the polls. Voters are not morons and for many years many well, women ben let's not get carried away i mean it's <laughs> a strong statement and I don't okay know, <laughs> fewer but, voters are morons than we sometimes assume how about okay. that um, <laughs> and not all voters are morons and at least some voters have been pretty tactical about abortion, which is to say uh, the right to abortion doesn't depend on my vote. It depends on the majority of the Supreme Court. Um, and so now you change that. And for large numbers of people, that one hypothesis is that that's a substantially mobilizing thing. It used mm -hmm. to be that if you were pro-life, that was often a single issue you were often a single issue voter. If you're pro-choice, you're much less likely to be. I don't know that that doesn't change in June. So I, I think that perhaps because we write off Roe, the, there's more to the midterms than we are now appreciating. I, that is, I like that. That's a great way to think of it. And by the way, you don't have to write, even if you write off Roe, that's where may I introduce you to Mesoprostone, the one dollar abortion pill that is available everywhere and that people even as we speak 
are getting to states where uh, abortions will be hard to come by. It's incredibly effective, and every good feminist now knows that self-managed abortions are the future of that procedure. And one more thing in their favor, we no longer have to actually just beg Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh for like the right to this tiny procedure on you know two square inches of mucous membranes in one organ of our, our body. What an amazing thing. Go get some mesoprostone and send it down to Texas. $12 abortions, you have to take 12 of them. Um, but um, yeah, this will be a, a, like, a, a failed war, war on drugs where we can cheer for the drugs. David Botts, the floor is yours. Well, thanks very much. Uh, Virginia, it is so wonderful to see you. It's been, it's been a little while since I've yes. seen you on In Lua Fun. So uh, great to see you. Um, uh, one bonus question. Um, so it's been, you've, you have not done uh, Trumpcast in now just over a year. So how do, you, how do you feel about not doing that and doing what you are doing now? Um, I made a promise to myself that if we ever got a vaccine, I was like, just, I was just having a really hard time. And I thought if we ever had a vaccine, and we ever had a new president that just to like honor the like dysphoria of of those days before the election, I would enjoy the difference. You know, I wouldn't like hold on to the trauma and say it's still happening, like the lambs are still crying, Clarice kind of thing, which has seemed <laughs> to be possible to do, you know, like it really is crazy that like i feel as though democrats enjoyed and and sane americans enjoyed biden's victory for you know a minute and a half and it's pretty soon we're like it's going to be worse next time i mean i love barton gelman who doesn't like reading a barton gelman cassandra despair treatise on the other hand like here's one thing that's different from last year is that i mean one thing the next election way the next election will be different from this past election is there won't be a january 6th that looks just like january 6th right because there'll be tanks or there'll be something or maybe they'll put another capitol police officer there you know it just it just won't go down the exact same way and similarly we are doing some stuff to forestall the barton gelman nightmare so anyway the point is i wanted to for a while to say it's not happening it's not happening anymore there's a vaccine there were zero percent of people were vaccined were vaccinated uh we still it's a year ago a year ago zero percent of americans were vaccinated vaccinated so and we i did i didn't want to spend my time worrying that 20 percent or 25 percent are not vaccinated now when it was zero percent last year i just wanted to notice the difference and i also wanted to notice that donald trump possibly has less power now that he doesn't control the greatest nuclear arsenal in the world possibly or maybe he's a big deal on his If you strike me down, I will come back more powerful than you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I just keep, you know, I just had some debate with someone else who was like, Trump's more powerful than ever. He runs the party where I just, like, I think that the Oval Office, veto power, and all those nukes are a pretty good addition <laughs> to anybody's powers. But maybe he's, like, really, like, killing it, patiently appearing at Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> um, and I don't know why we just have to say it's going to be worse next time or January 6th was a run-up 
or it was a practice or whatever they keep saying. Um, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that. But and what if we could just put him to bed for a little bit? So anyway, that's what I promised myself. And I also there are people who are so good at political analysis. You know, those people that like they know every district in Texas. And when like you just they describe the redistricting, they just like are like, oh, no, it went past that street and around. To <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm thinking of Ari Berman. Oh, my God, that guy crazy like his yeah. head it's just like this gerrymandered map mm -hmm. um and um i i didn't i didn't think i was as good at it as they were and i wanted to go back to like to working on culture and also so much of the political story with trump was culture so i figured if i you know how like politics are downstream from culture i just thought why not drink from upstream how about that wow there you go it's a good line virginia thank you um, so All right, Ducks with Pants has the last question tonight, but before he gives the last question, I just want to thank Ducks with Pants uh, for the In Lieu of Fun theme song, which I have been listening to uh, uh, multiple times a day uh, as a result of editing the In Lieu of Fun audio podcast, which you should all subscribe to. Um, uh, and so I... I I, it is good to see your face, Ducks, and uh, and I'm uh, grateful to you for writing, composing, and performing. Uh, we're not allowed to have fun anymore. Well, thank you, Ben. I'm, I'm glad you appreciate it. I'm glad it's not driving you crazy listening to it over and over. That <laughs> it is being appreciated. Um, and it makes me feel a little less like I'm just hijacking the show for self-promotional purposes. Oh, so, no, no, no. Please yeah. use the use the show. You put it on your website, composer of the performer, of songwriter of the In Love of Fun theme. Please use it for all possible self-promotion. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm on the show just for my Twitter feed. <laughs> uh, that's yeah, right. Problems, of course, but yeah. Um, well, first I wanted to say, Virginia, I thought your idea of having people, uh, teenagers listen to instrumental music as sort of, uh, shall we say, mindfulness exercise was a great one. But in reality, since the last time I got to speak with you on the program, I was able to introduce this uh, duck here that I just received from my birthday. Um, nice. It would be a shame, it would be a crying shame if I didn't take the opportunity to introduce to you another duck that I recently received uh, via the mail, um, this completely useless artifact that I got made up mostly for vanity purposes. Wait, wait, wait. Theory to share off, to um, send off to radio stations if they still exist. But this is for the younger people in the audience what they call a CD. Uh, so good. Uh, this this thing you actually put in to. Um, you actually put it in a machine. And it plays and it spins and mechanical things happen. I, I'm doing. I'm putting this in the chat for people. Okay. So, uh, but this is uh, my forthcoming album. I've been putting out singles for those of you who follow my Twitter feed, and I've been plugging it incessantly. Um, and uh, for those of you who have difficulty uh, making out what's happening, this is a duck wearing a spacesuit carrying a guitar who is obviously overlooking the Earth. And the title of the album is called Alien from an Alternate Earth. And um, then we also have on the back here, a duck playing bass, serenading the moon. Well, these are illustrations done by my friend Mario Noche, who's a wonderful artist, um, also has played um, on my- Is he allowed to have fun anymore? <laughs> um, 
I don't know. Uh, Just but, checking. Uh, um, I mean, I, he may be prohibited, uh, but um, I suggest you hire him for everything. Uh, he's, as I said, a talented musician. He played guitar on a previous album of mine and has covered some of my songs at EG Fest. So anyway, uh, that's a shameless plug and uh, continuing the tradition of me sharing a new duck with Virginia Heffernan when she comes <laughs> on the show. I can't promise I will have another one next time, but I will do my best. Well, we'll check. The next time Virginia's going to come on the show, we'll give you a few hours notice so you can like run out to the store and get a new duck. So you can I mean, truth be told, I, I do duck. have many ducks um, that I could You can share. pretend one that is new, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll uh, fake it if it's not true. Anyway, but um, it was, it's a pleasure to see you again, Virginia. Thank Good you for having you. me on the show. Thank you for um, plugging my, uh, helping me with my career as such that I have the in lieu of fun theme song author. Theme song. Yeah, that's a good. That's a that's a good uh, credit. All right, we're gonna leave it there. Virginia Heffernan, you're a great American. Oh, Steve Lawton has shown up on the screen. Hello, I'm not sure how you appeared. I have no idea. It's good to see your face, though. Uh, you asked me for a question. The question was trolley problem in uh, Ukraine, but I think it's too late. Oh, well, pose it and we will we'll use it to riff on the way out. Is, U is the Ukraine situation a trolley problem? Mm. Mm, final thoughts. Is it a trolley problem, Virginia? Yes. Scott? I, I mean, I haven't been keeping up, but has there been a trolley going into Ukraine? Actually, I saw an image of a giant cargo train carrying tanks toward oh, yeah, the Ukrainian they, they border. Oh, um, on the Russian side. So I don't know if that quite, quite counts as a yeah. trolley. It's more of a uh, ominous uh, supply chain issue. So, so the idea would be that like the United States could intervene, in which case it might harm somebody. We could throw uh, the switch and divert that train to a different border. So so Putin could menace a different country. <laughs> right. yes. dude, dude, that's Italy. <laughs> Russia, you're invading Italy. That's why that's why the food is so good. But does it have to be five other countries to make the Is <laughs> this kind of right, yeah, it's just Russia <laughs> running running over the because the a, switch I, guy let's Let's just say there's nothing funny about interstate war. And That's true. And, you know, you and Ona said it was done. We were finished with it because the internationalists got rid of it. So it's not going to happen, right? No. What we, what, we, what we showed was how historically anomalous this period is. And we claim that the anomaly is not that it doesn't happen, that it happens so infrequently. Um, is an indication of a profound change in the way in which we think of war. So, um, like, right now, people are thinking that Russia is acting like such a rogue actor that they, we need to decouple 
Russia from the banking system or something like that. that that's a view about the kind of behavior that interstate war is now um, that, that would have been very difficult to, uh, to whip up 100 years ago. So anyway, that, that, that's just the point. And that is also why, you know, Crimea, I mean, still the West doesn't recognize Crimea. So it, it's, it's not like the rules have been ignored. It's, um, it just means is that not everything can be solved with rules. Hmm. On that note, Virginia Heffernan, it's great to see you. We'll do it again soon. We will be back on Wednesday. I have no idea who the guest is going to be. I just know I will be on a flight, so I won't be here. Um, but that'll be 46 hours and 53 minutes from now. And until then, Scott. We can't have fun anymore, but thank God we can have fun.